G'day cycling tips, fellow club freewheeling. My name is Matilda Reynolds. I'm coming to you from the tour down under in the land down under. Uh, again, it is a COVID affected event, uh, so but it will be a great event to show some amazing, uh, showcase a lot of local talent within Australia with some really big global names like Grace Brown, um, Amanda Spratty Spratt is back. Uh, we've got new gun Ruby Rose McGannon, Loretta Hansen's here, Rachel Nalen, <clears throat> list goes on. Uh, it's You might know me from such stories on cycling tips such as uh, Everesting Everest or road tripping Silk Road in Kyrgyzstan. If you're looking for some escapism, I suggest you Google it. Uh, but yeah, we're here at stage one. I'm in okay form. I was awarded the most combative jersey last weekend at our nationals event. Essentially, how hard can you fist yourself but not win? Um, but yeah, where stage one is going to be a flat-ish stage. I think it might catch a few people out. It's going to be pretty um, rolling hills uh, with the QOM coming 5K from the finish. So even though it's all predicting to be a sprint stage, I think it'll be a reduced bunch uh, and we'll see what the weather plays. It's about 20 kilometres an hour wind and rain. And so, yeah, it should be a good good little classic event. So yeah, I'll check in post-race. Um, until then, let's go. So what you just heard is an audio diary from Matilda Reynolds, who rides for Inform. What's the full name of that team, Gracie? <laughs> uh, the team is Inform TMX Make. And this is the first year that uh, this particular team has had a women's team. They've had a men's team for quite a few years now. And they made sure that they did a women's team right. So they finally decided to launch it this year and it's yeah going really well so far. Yeah, and they've picked up quite a few Australian legends. I mean, Matilda Reynolds, but they also have Carly Taylor, who's former professional and friend of the podcast. Yeah, no, it's cool. I think she's going to be a really good mentor for a lot of the riders. Uh, we all know Carly, how enthusiastic she is. She's just great for morale as well but she's got so much experience um, and certainly in those races in Adelaide, she's a local, so she had even more experience to give them because of her knowledge of all those roads. So I think she'll have a lot of fun with them and we can already see them making pretty funny reels on Instagram, which I love. Yeah, I love it when teams have a ton of fun behind the scenes. I mean, it's sometimes it really translates super well onto the bike, but it's fun from the outside to be watching that because – for people who are coming into the sport, it means that they look at those teams and they're like, I want to, I want to be there. Like, I want to be part of that. Yeah. And I also think that women's cycling has really embraced social media like for years now for, you know, probably the last decade almost, because that was our main way of getting our profile out, our stories and creating our narrative. And so, you know, we're just using it more and more and creating reels and those funny TikToks and stuff. And I think a lot of male cyclists are a bit too cool for that and they just don't care because yeah. they don't have to do it because they are more famous or they're getting more articles or, or they're on um, streaming services more. So I think I love that women are embracing it and it makes it look like so much fun. And I, yeah. like, I agree, it makes you want to be part of the team. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, Anyway, uh, that was a little bit of a roundabout intro, but 
obviously. <laughs> you are listening to the Freewheeling Podcast. I'm Abby Mickey, and I'm joined today by Gracie Elvin and Gracie Elvin alone. We are just going to chat a little bit about the tour down under, but we have audio diaries from Matilda Reynolds from the entire race. So we're going to chuck those into the podcast and go over the race a little bit. Before we dive into that, this episode is brought to you by Zwift. We're thrilled that Zwift has come on for another round of sponsorship of the podcast because it's a platform that we really believe in and love. Uh, I know Gracie's been getting super into doing the Zwift workouts and stuff just like I've been. (laughs) Personally, for me, uh, I've been really excited to find that Zwift has a chunk of workouts written by Kristen Armstrong and Danny Rowe, both professional cyclists who've had babies that are called the baby on board workouts. And they're all 30 to 40 minutes, relatively easy if you aren't growing a human and are awesome to kind of keep your fitness up while you're pregnant, but not push yourself because you're not really supposed to overexert. So they've got tons of stuff on there. And the fact that they have these chunk of workouts is just kind of shows how much thought they put into each set of workouts and the people that are using their platform. So I highly recommend those. And I've actually, I tweeted about it and I got some message from men who are like, yeah, those are my favorite workouts after I've had a big dinner. (laughs) I was like, yes, it's the same feeling. (laughs) Um, Food, baby. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode. And we're really excited to have you guys back on the podcast. Before Gracie and I chat about stage one, let's hear a quick post-stage report from Matilda Reynolds. Hey team, it's Matilda here. Just finished the zip track stage one of the Santos Cycling Festival, or the Tour Down Under, as commonly known. A uh, bit of a surprise finish. Um, so the day was, it was fairly on and off, um, which can sometimes really zap the legs. It was raining, um, it was sketchy, uh, and there was a lot of people both going out the back, but also quite a few crashes. I myself um, had a quick dirt nap with some of the favourites. Um, Rachel Nealon actually crashed and, and then brought down um, Amanda Spratt and Ruby Rose McGannon, and I fell on top of that as well. And I've never tried to crash so gently, seeing that I was about to uh, fall on top of Amanda Spratt, who then had to change bikes and chase for majority of the race. Uh, but yeah, it all really was still together um, until the whispering wall, which sounds like something out of Harry Potter, but that was really the QOM for the, and the main climb of the day. Uh, it started to split over the top there. Um, Grace Brown put the hammer down and really dragged it out. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people were able to scramble over the top uh, and ended in a bit of a surprise, surprise results. Um, massive congratulations to Emily Watts from Knights of Suburbia. She uh, won the event in front of Ruby Rose McGannon, Nicole Frain, uh, who's the new um, Australian champion. And then I came in fourth, which proceeds to be the most frustrating position of the event. Uh, but yeah, really happy with um, our newly formed team, Inform TMX Make. Uh, we're pretty fresh team, and but we've got like friend of the pod, Carly Taylor on the team as well. So yeah, still just trying to find our feet out there. Uh, the finish was pretty uh, chaotic as it always is. Uh, Grace Brown and I actually had a little love tap together, but sort of smiled at the end at one another 
Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'd be watching Grace uh, come the classic season. She's really been working on a sprint and I think we'll, we'll do pretty well once she gets over there. But, yeah, three more stages to go and um, was out, yeah, looking, looking forward to it. Hopefully the sun comes out soon. Thanks so much for the support. It sounded like didn't really end the way that people thought it was going to end. Won by Emily Watts with Ruby Roseman Gannon coming in second and Nicole Frayne in third. It was basically a bunch sprint, but because Ruby Roseman Gannon got an intermediate second, she ended up in the leader's jersey. That's right. We had bonus seconds, as do many tours. Um, so the two zip track sprint classifications were hotly contested and Ruby Roseman Gannon's team, Team Bike Exchange, Jayco, were doing a really good job with the leadouts. They had um, one of my old teammates, Alexandra Manley, uh, doing a great job as well as Georgia Baker, helping Ruby get those maximum bonus seconds. And they were doing that clever tactic of having Georgia scooping up the extra bonus seconds as sweeper. So they were making sure that they were getting a good gap on everyone else. But yes, it was the surprise victory on the finish line sprint that was the upset of the day with young rider Emily Watts just having that awesome momentum and I think bike exchange kind of just ran out of legs and Ruby went a little bit too early and I don't want to say that they were being cocky but I think that they just put a lot into those intermediate sprints and they'd taken them quite easily and then they kind of did almost the same sprint for the finish line but it was just a little like Ruby kind of started her sprint almost 200 meters to go and and uh, Emily Watts just if you saw the overhead she just came with so much more speed later and nailed it um so yeah I was really happy because the Knights of Suburbia team it's only their second year as a group and the the sponsors and the managers are really committed just to this women's team there's no men's team attached to it and they were just so excited. You could just see their huge smiles on the side of the road. They were, yeah, it was a big deal for them. So it was a good race though. But I think the one of the standout performances was actually on the KOM or QOM, I should say, um, was five kilometres from the finish. And we had another rider from the Knights of Suburbia team, Georgie Howe, attacking over the top of Grace Brown's attack. <laughs> so we all know Grace Brown is, you know, pretty good. And I just thought that no one would be able to come over the top of someone like her setting her kind of tempo or, as I said, attack and for Georgia to counter it and get a significant gap and only have the likes of Ruth Corset and... Justine Barrow go across with her. They look like they could have taken out the stage, but of course the bunch caught them back. But that made for a really exciting finale. This race is so interesting because, of course, it used to be a really big deal with a lot of European teams and American teams flying all the way to Australia to race it. When it was a UCI race, it was not World Tour, but it was one of the races that I think the whole women's peloton wished was kind of the world tour opener and world tour on the men's side, obviously, which kind of bumped up the level of the race on the women's side as well. And I mean, I've done it, you've done it. The race treats the riders so well. It's really well organized, obviously because of COVID it was canceled in 2021 and held as this Santos cycling festival race with just Australians. And then they're doing that again this year, but it seems to me that level of racing in Australia, maybe not as good with 
the European teams coming over, but the riders that do race the race take it really seriously. And to them, it's a pretty big deal. Definitely. I think it was becoming in danger of being inaccessible to some of the national teams, which in my mind was a shame because in Australia, the national series for women don't have that many races. So anything in January where they get that opportunity to race against riders that are racing in Europe is so golden for them. And you know, getting any chance to get their sponsors' jerseys out there to get most aggressive rider or onto the sprint classifications, not to mention some of them getting onto the stage podiums and overall podiums. Um, it's it's not been a bad thing for it to be somewhat downgraded away from those a top-tier race to a national series race because there was 95 starters on stage one, which is a decent field. And a lot of them were very competitive. It was compelling racing to watch. And I can imagine it would only make every rider that's not going to Europe more hungry to go, well, I rode next to Grace Brown. I rode next to Nettis Spratt, and I wasn't getting dropped by them. Like I was there in the final. And um, I think that it's a really good thing for Aussie cycling to have these two years, even though it's been stressful and traumatic for <laughs> lots of other reasons for, for this particular race has probably been a good thing. I wonder how it will, what's going to happen if the race goes back to UCI status in 2023 and is able to bring in that European talent. Um, if, if it's still going to open up the spots so that a good chunk of the local riders can still do it because they've had these two years of just having it be in Australia race or if they're going to just completely go back to the way things were because I agree I mean coming from the U.S. we have a lot the same problem when the tour of California went world tour it in a way it killed cycling in the U.S. (laughs) Um, and and there's I mean partially because of COVID but there's really no racing there anymore um, which is a huge bummer so I, I agree definitely with that it's maybe not a bad thing that they got to refocus a little bit on, on Australia. And, and as you said, the racing was still really exciting. I mean, um, it was harder to watch over in Europe, but there was still really good coverage of it. I mean, you were on the ground helping out with that. So do you think like people in Australia are still as hyped on it now as they were before? Yeah, for sure. I think that people were still watching these races and it's still ongoing. The men's tour just started today. Um, And I think having great coverage with free-to-air streaming is really important. Um, And the event organisation, as you said earlier, it's been one of the better organised races in the last few years and they didn't uh, even take that down a level. And being on the other side of the fence, being part somewhat of the organisation now and watching everyone do their thing, was impressive like I already knew it was a well-run race but to save even up more close and personal I was really impressed that they weren't slacking at all because it wasn't well to it everyone involved was really putting on their a game and the the only thing that was lacking was a little bit of the crowds at the finish and the start lines and I think that's to do with COVID I know some of those smaller country towns are a little bit more scared of COVID at the moment and they didn't want the COVID to be brought to their towns but most of them were embracing it and most of them had like done the, they do these really cute um, best dressed towns in Adelaide and every little local, local town that even that it goes through, not even that starts and finishes, they, they dress up the trees and the houses and they make it really good. So they 
all the locals were getting on board this year too. So it's a special event and I just, yeah, I think it will go back to how it was and I think it's important to have it as a world tour race for women in some ways, but I'm, I'm really glad that the, the national level riders had more opportunity the last two years because I think that we needed just that little bit of booster for momentum and, and it also gave some even younger riders under 19s the ability to race and I don't believe that they should be racing elite level at a world tour level but to do it at this level was probably still pretty hard but it was it probably didn't crush them so hopefully that kind of fuels this ne- next generation coming out of Australia as well. Gives them a little bit of a taste uh, and then they get the hunger afterwards and then they're yeah. like yeah this is which is what we need for the future. Yeah. Well, Matilda chatted with Emily Watts before the second stage of the race and then gave us a little bit of a stage two debrief. So let's hear what she had to say. Emily Watts, former under 23 national champ and the winner of Zip Track stage one. Uh, What was your thoughts in the last 500 meters and how did it feel to be rolling Ruby Rose McGannon on the finish line? I guess in the last 500 metres, I wasn't thinking a lot. We hadn't truly prepared for a sprint, but um, Marcus told me that he knew I had the sprint in me and that he wasn't wasn't surprised at the result. So I guess, I don't know, I think people thought I was a sprinter, but I didn't believe in myself yet. But after yesterday, I think I can really do something with my sprint, which is nice. So stage two, Westpac stage two, there's gravel in today's stage, which should mix things up. What are your thoughts and at what stage were your um, part of the race where your team attack? I don't think we're going to attack. Uh, I don't think I'll tell you either, Jill. Um, but um, no, just conserve, keep control, stay calm. Um, the gravel will mix it up, which I think will be exciting because I don't think yesterday was too exciting. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what the gravel brings. All right, mate. Give us a wheel. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, it's Matilda here checking in post-stage two, uh, the Westpac stage two of Tour Down Under. It was uh, another really challenging day. Uh, Gravel, it was hilly all day and um, mechanicals, crashes, a little bit of chaos is probably how I'd sum it up. Uh, But Maeve Plouve, who's an Olympic track cyclist, she won the day. And the only thing that's worse than being beaten in the sprint is being beaten by someone who... Uh, sprinted seated and so yeah she just absolutely fired on the uh on the final sprint which the entire peloton pretty much came back together it was a pretty much a 50 up 50 person sprint uh and so yeah we're leading into the stage three today uh which is the final stage and uh yeah it's all pretty close on gc uh and so it should be should be a tough stage all right so stage two of the race included some gravel which uh, we are seeing more and more of lately. Although, if you go back, back to the olden times, things were there was always gravel. So it's kind of like we're reverting back to the beginning of the sport. Um, but it was another sprint finish at the end, won by, I'm going to butcher her last name, but you can correct me, hopefully, Maeve Ploofy? Yeah, Ploof. <laughs> Ploof? Yeah. Uh, with Ruby Roseman Gannon in second again and Nicole Frain in third. Those two are flying. Yeah, I think Maeve, um, she must have just lacked a bit of road confidence on stage one and she she stayed off our radar. And then um, Dave McKenzie and I, who were doing the on-site commentary, we were on the start or on the finish line, I should say, where the, the second intermediate sprint was coming through. And 
Maeve didn't even get out of her seat and she won it. And we were just like, geez, like that was impressive because Ruby had a good lead out and she got out of her saddle and she was sprinting. Like I, I, when she knew that she wasn't going to get it, she stopped because she was saving her legs. But Maeve was had that beautiful track seated power and she's come from the track. She was a representative at Tokyo last year for the team pursuit for Australia. So she's getting her road legs back and we were like, okay, we're going to watch her in this finale and, she, uh, she had a really impressive sprint and overcame the bike exchange lead out once again, which was very frustrating to them, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but Ruby held on to the leader's jersey for the second day. And I mean, going back to Maeve coming from the track, this is something that I think we're going to see a lot of in 2022 with the Olympics behind us. The track riders tend to come over to the road to get a little bit of road racing in before refocusing on track if they decide to do that for the next Olympic Games. Uh, is there a lot of track riders who are... who mm, Was there a lot of track riders in the peloton for the Tour Down Under this year? Yeah, quite a lot. So we've got... Um, Alex Manley and Georgia Baker that have gone to back to Bike Exchange. They have raced there in the past when I was still racing. So they're, they're really excited to be on the road because I know that they both enjoy the road. But being part of the Australian track program, it's quite strict and they were very much track fo- focused for at least two years before Tokyo plus one. <laughs> so yeah. I think they're dying to get away from that um, regimen for a little while. But you know, Paris isn't that far away now. So I think they're going to really try and savor road racing. And I'm assuming that they'll go back to the track and get some redemption, trying to get a, a better position after their disappointment. But, uh, yeah, Maeve Plouffe is riding for the ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast team. And then in the team Garmin, who are wearing the green and gold national team colours, it was pretty much all under 23 riders with Grace Brown. So she was the the mother hen for the week. And a lot of them are in our podium potential track academy. So um, they do both track and road, but uh, I think they've got their sights set on getting into the elite track team, but they certainly get to do a good amount of road racing too with their respective national teams. That's such a cool thing that happens at this race too, is that the national team gets to kind of assemble this team of a lot of ones and twos from world tour teams that don't have teams down there or riders that ride for American teams that don't come over stuff like that. But it's this really cool thing that, that the national team can represent in their home country. Um, the, the U S did it also at the tour of California, but it's not something that we see very often in Europe. I know Belgium does it uh, every once in a while and the Dutch kind of do it sometimes, but it's, it makes such a big difference when it comes to racing for the national team at things like worlds and the Olympics to have that little bit of experience with your countrymen. Cause it's pretty rare that you've got someone from your country on your same team if you're riding for a European team and you're coming from an English-speaking country. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good opportunity. And I, I've been lucky to be part of a few national teams over the years when I was very first off into the scene and got a lot of experience. And then when I was in the pro team in Green Edge for a few years, I managed to guest ride and got to get to know some of the riders, up-and-coming riders like Loretta Hansen, and that was a really nice way to build that rapport with your fellow countrymen in case that you were, you might be in a national team at a bigger event one day, like World Championships. Plus, it's it's nice to just 
you know, be friends and and just have a bit of fun outside of a pro team. Yeah. And I mean, lang- the language barrier isn't often a problem in cycling. Everyone can usually pretty much communicate. But if you're riding for like an Italian team or a French team coming back and having everybody have the same accent as you kind of makes a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> morale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't realize how much you miss it until you get it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But having um, having a bunch of the younger riders race is really awesome because then as we were just saying, and you know, it gives them um, kind of this taste of what it feels like to be on a professional team, to be surrounded by r- riders like Loretta and Grace and see how they take on each day, their routine before and after every stage. I mean, it's a huge opportunity for them to learn from these riders that they look up to. And, um, it's not in every sport where you get to be that close to the top of the sport as a young rider and learn from them directly by watching what they're doing. So it's, it's super cool that cycling has, has that aspect. Yeah, for sure. And I heard from Grace Brown that she was peppered with questions all week. So that's pretty cool, I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, heck, I would ask her a ton of questions if I could. (laughs) I remember messaging you on Instagram, I think, like when I was first starting out. Like, can I I ask you for help? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, final stage, stage three. Uh, This race is usually four stages, but they cut it down to three. Yeah, they um, last year was the first time they did it as a non-world tour event and they ran four stages for men and women and they ran stage one for men and women on the same day, stage two on the same day and so on. And as an event, that went really well, but for the police involved, that had to do all the road closures and rolling road closures and so on and so forth. I think it was a very big day for them and they said, we won't do this again. So they had to split the two tours, the men's and the women's tour, and spread it over over seven days so each tour was three days each the men are only doing three as well and they had that track night right in the middle that they both did on the same night the crit night sorry did I say track crit (laughs) yeah it's same 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 (laughs) (laughs) so the third and final stage before we jump into chatting about it Matilda Reynolds actually chatted with Grace Brown before the start so let's hear what she had to say really quick Grace Bound from Camperdown, uh, had a cracking start to 2022. You've won the individual time trial. Uh, you were second in the road race, but more importantly, you won the bunch sprint. Can you confirm or deny the rumour mill that you've been working on your sprint? Um, I haven't actually been working on my sprint. It's a plan to start working on my sprint, so that was step one. <laughs> oh, mate, you're already on your way. Uh, and so what's your assessment of the uh, domestic uh, peloton so far? Um, I'm pretty impressed with the level of everyone. I think, uh, yeah, it's been a long two years with COVID and um, everyone's really motivated to be back, you know, racing at a really strong level. So, yeah, I can tell that everyone's been training pretty hard. And so stage three, the final stage today, that's hilly, it's gravel. when you when you really go for it on those qualms, you you tend to start really hard, and it's actually quite uncomfortable. Is it possible to ease into it your attacks a little bit more? Um, attacks, not an attack unless you start with a sprint. So. <laughs> And, mate, you've been um, looking after, uh, I guess, the the junior Australian team this week. How's that been for you? Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, I'm super impressed with like how the girls are riding 
given their experience in um, a big bunch. They're navigating it pretty well and they've all got a heap of guts and determination and I was super impressed with them yesterday having a real crack. Um, a few of them got off the front and then uh, Sophie went for the sprint. So, yeah, I'm happy with that. And, mate, when do you head overseas? Uh, next Monday I'm out of here. So, yeah, one last week and um, bon voyage. Good luck, buddy. We'll be cheering for you. <laughs> Thanks. Not today, though. <laughs> so stage three was finally taken out by Ruby, Ruby Roseman Gannon after getting second place in the first two stages. I think this was a really nice end to the race for her. And of course, she won the overall. But Nicole Frain took second. So both of them uh, had a pretty consistent race. And then Georgia Baker the teammate of Ruby Roseman Gannon finished third. It was kind of like a, like a little bit of an uphill sprint. Yeah, it was, um, the sprint was quite similar to the uphill sprint at the national criterium championship. So the actual road course in stage three was very undulating. And I'm sure it, after two days of quite dynamic racing, most people's legs were quite tired and you could see the bunch stringing out splitting up every now and again and you could just see that fatigue setting in and it was raced really hard they were ahead of schedule um so the pace was high it was very aggressive and I want to give a big shout out right now to Nicole Frain she had only won the national championships the week before she would have been exhausted from that high and all of the uh, attention that came with it and she performed so well at this race wearing that new national champs jersey for the first time she was getting involved in breakaways to me it looked like she was working for peter mullins because she was chasing things down and crossing gaps but then she was there at the finish as well so she must have still just been riding that high and that great form to be so competitive in the bunch sprints coming third twice uh, and then on stage three, she was sitting in fourth overall. She only had two seconds to make to get up to third. And instead of waiting for those that first sprint, she just attacked the bunch and got away solo and took maximum points and bonus seconds. And I just thought, like, that's awesome. Like, good on you. You're just going for broke. You've got nothing to lose. And she had to force some of those other favourites to chase her. Uh, so Ruby had to also claim bonus seconds. She needed to stay on top. And then the Green Edge, I keep saying Green Edge, but the Bike Exchange Jayco team had to really stay on their A game because they wanted the stage win. They didn't want just just want the overall. I think Ruby had a lot of fire in her belly. So Nicole made it a great race as well. So kudos to her. And then the guest rider for um, Bike Exchange Jayco, Amber Pate, who usually races in the Inform TMX make team, she did very well at Nationals. So she was asked to come along to guest ride for the, the small numbers of bike exchange. And she really showed that she deserved that invitation. She did really well all week. She covered breakaway. She she did really well in the lead outs. And then she rode exceptionally well on stage three and was part of a ripper lead out that they they did. I was really impressed that they finally, you know, got properly organized and, and delivered Ruby Roseman Gannon to that last stage victory. Is there any more of the national races going on? Because usually there would be obviously Cadell's race, which isn't happening. But then after that, there's the Sun Tour. Um, those two races, unfortunately, are not in the calendar this Australian summer. But uh, some good news is one of the oldest races, oldest and longest races in the world called Melbourne to Warren and Bull. It's usually just under 300 kilometres. They've included females 
in the it's an open race start so it's uh pretty chaotic there's usually a few hundred people start and it's it's a national road series event so you've got all of the the continental level guys that are they're very good in their own right so the women have had to try and mix it in with them and find a group if it's if it's a crosswind it's a nightmare uh, this year they announced that they're going to do a standalone women's event. So it's 160 Ks uh, the day after the, the men's race. So this is the first time they're doing it on this format. And I think it's a really positive thing. I think it was cool that they um, that the women raced the, the proper long distance a few times, but it's just not a proper race in some ways because you're really just having to fight the wheels in the, with all of the men. So I'm really excited to see how many women show up to this one. Uh, it's on the 20th of February, so they've got uh, three weeks or so to recover from nationals and the Santos Special Cycling, and I think we're going to see quite a good lineup there. And under 160k is, you know, still decent and more than a, what a lot of the Australian national level riders race. So I think it'll still be a big challenge. Hopefully next year we're talking about the the Tour Down Under Santos Tour Festival of Cycling uh, on the ground and with another day and with the normal hype but it sounds like it was a super exciting race and that's kind of why we wanted to highlight it um in an ep- give it its own episode this year we are obviously both from um non-european countries and racing outside of europe is super important to us so it's it's a race that it's important that it stay alive and stay um in the forefront of people's minds when it comes to racing in january and um hopefully it's a precursor to how ruby roseman gannon is going to be riding in the spring classics this year because it was so exciting watching her race the entire australian summer she's been just flying and i hope that nicole frayne also gets to jump over to europe and do a little bit over here because um She's clearly got some talent, and it would be a shame if she didn't get to test that against the European peloton. From what I've heard, the um, Rock Salt Lift Ram team will be racing in the States and hopefully Europe. So I think the national champions jersey will get a good showing this year. And like you, I hope that she has some good opportunities too and gets a look in in some of your Euro teams for next year. All right, we have one final audio diary from Matilda Reynolds from the final day, so we'll throw that in, and we will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Freewheeling Podcast. Gracie, thank you so much for your time, and uh, have a great weekend. The final stage of the Tour Down Under Cycling Festival has been won and run. Uh, It was a really good stage. Um, Pretty lumpy, two sections of really aggressive gravel, 40 degrees, just everything you want in Adelaide in January. And um, whilst it was a hard, aggressive opening, we came into the finale on a bike exchange lead out with uh, Ruby Rose McGannon finishing off her hot girl summer to take the win and the overall. And I think it just speaks volumes of Rubes to have the pressure of an entire World Tour team working for her to be able to get the result. Um, And going away to Europe now, knowing she absolutely deserves to be there. I came away with another fourth uh, and just love this tour for a domestic event to have start to finish live coverage 
on a major free-to-air channel online shows it is possible and, and it's just a massive return of investment for all the local sponsors and a good opportunity to reflect back on and, and learn um, from any little mistakes you may have made along the way. Um, I think the domestic peloton just really showed their strength and tenacity over the th- past three days and hopefully we'll be able to have a crack when the World Tour teams return next year's and ne- next year and other opportunities throughout the year. I'm signing off, about to race the Criterion with my informed TMX mate teammates. Um, thanks so much for having me and all the support of Women's Cycling. You all do such a great job and hopefully see you all down here um, for the World Champs in Wollongong and definitely back in Adelaide next year. Thanks so much.